If you would this evening, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 3. Book of Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. I want to share with you guys a message today that I have entitled, Like a Good Neighbor. And so what we can do is we can go, go ahead and get it out of our system and you guys can repeat it after me. Like a good neighbor. Dude, right on cue, right on cue. So um, we all know that neighbors come in all kinds of shapes, sizes, attitudes, personalities, um, all kinds of, uh, of different ways. Uh, I want to give you a little bit of... Uh, uh, just a little bit of a peep into uh, my, um, my background with neighbors. You know, um, some neighbors that you know but not that well sit on the stairs leading up to your condo and they read your newspaper in the morning as they drink their coffee or their beer, okay? <laughs> some neighbors fall asleep in their truck, passed out from drinking too much, with their window down and half of a leg hanging out of that window multiple times, more times than I can count. Some neighbors gamble too much on NFL games and then they yell four-letter words so loud from their condo, it makes you think that they're actually sitting in your living room in your condo every single Sunday. There's an NFL game. Some neighbors, when you invite them over to eat pizza, they've already partaken of too many alcoholic beverages. They then proceed to eat almost all of the pizza with their eyes closed as they tell you a story about how they feel one of our mutual neighbors is keeping an Indian woman in his house as some type of indentured servant or something. These are all true stories of uh, when Nick Lesmeister, one of the uh, other elders here at SOMA, um, when him and I shared a condo in the DFW area, our downstairs neighbor was a middle-aged man, a man named Blake who enjoyed adult beverages a little too much. And every single one of those stories are about him. Plus, I'm serious, plus a few more that are a little bit more on the R side of the spectrum when it comes to ratings that aren't appropriate uh, for this venue right here. I came across this this past week. Uh, as I was doing some reading, and it, and it says this, um, a man was telling his friend about his upstairs neighbors. He said, you know, they start to jump up and down on the floor at like five o'clock in the morning. He said, I just don't understand. And his friend looked at him kind of bewildered and said, well, doesn't that disturb you? Have you ever talked to him about it or complained? And the guy looked back at his friend and he said, no, it doesn't disturb me. I was practicing my trumpet. And so, you know, you, you never know what you're going to get with neighbors. And the word neighbor is a very important word in the Bible. Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 40 tells us, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, not just one, but on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Now, it's important that we pause here and define neighbor for um, the way we're going to be discussing it and uh, the way it's going to be uh, talked about and taught tonight. So neighbor, 
um, as defined by Strong's Concordance, is someone who is near or close by you, okay? So a neighbor is someone who's near you or close by you. What I really like is Thayer's Concordance adds to it, according to Christ, a neighbor is any other man, irrespective of nation or religion, with whom we live or whom we chance to meet. I thought that was really good. Irrespective of nation or religion with whom we live or whom we even chance to meet. With this in mind, I want us to look in in the book of Acts uh, there in the third chapter. You guys should be there. I'm going to start reading in verse 1 and go down through verse 11. Picking up in verse 1 here. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour or around 3 in the afternoon. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And in verse 10 here, Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And in verse 11, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Greatly amazed. Tonight, I want to look at three ways, three very practical ways that we can be a great neighbor in any situation. And the first one is this, take time for your neighbor. Take time for your neighbor. Guys, I want you to get the context of what's going on here in the scripture. Um, This is the beginning of Acts 3. In Acts 2, We all know what happened in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit came to those in the upper room, manifested himself. There was the speaking of tongues, and and then Peter addressed the crowd because there was confusion, and um, and hundreds of people were saved, and that led to thousands of people being saved. And then it goes on in the the second chapter of Acts there to to talk about the church and how they came together and shared food and sold things. And, And it was just this beautiful picture of the early church of people coming coming together under the Lord's guidance and being filled with the Spirit and living life together. Now, what I want you to know here is Peter and John were obviously Jesus' disciples, but Peter and John were kind of important in this whole thing. Peter and John were the heads of what is going on here. Already a church of 3,000, lots of things happening. These guys were very important. Because were very important. They were leading everything that was going on. And it goes into 
it goes into Acts 3 here, and it, and it, sh- it tells us that, that Peter and John, that they're walking to church, basically. They're walking to the temple for a prayer service, which, by the way, that they were probably leading or that they were probably stewarding in some way. But as they were going, here's this man who they've probably passed by many other times. I don't know, but we know that many people have passed by him. They see this man and they hear this man. And what do they do? They take time for him. They take time for him. Peter and John were busy men, especially at this time. And they took time for him. Obviously, in today's world, dealing with homeless people, beggars, the crippled is still something that's very much in our midst. Um, And this is what I would say uh, to those situations when we find ourselves in their presence. And that's very simple. And I'm going to move on from it because it's not the neighbor that I'm necessarily spending my time focusing on today. But when you're around people who are homeless or they're, uh, they're, they're, um, they're begging or they're crippled, you see something, raise your hand. You guys see, you see them every day. Raise your hand if you come across them weekly. Yeah, all of us do. This is what I would say. Consider them. Consider them, ask God for wisdom, and then obey. It's very simple. That's kind of what I've, I've used in my life when, when I'm around homeless people or, you know, with uh, someone's um, asking me for something. Consider them. Ask God for wisdom and obey what the Lord is telling you to do. Really, though, the neighbors I want us to, to look at today are the neighbors who we live beside. Uh, whether you live in a house or an apartment or wherever, um, those who you work with or go to school with, or um, those even here and within our community who we go to church with, you could say these are the people who we live life with naturally. This, this is our community. This is the neighbor I want to talk about this evening. You know, we live in such a fast-paced world that just having time for your immediate family seems like a daunting enough task, right? I mean, so many things going on. We're pulled this, this way and the other, and uh, it can be such a challenge just keeping up with your immediate family. But then God goes off, and there's a verse like Matthew 22 where he says, no, it's not just loving me with all that you are, but it's loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Theologian David Gutzik says this, it's clear enough what it means to love the Lord with all we are, though it is impossible to do perfectly, but there's been much confusion about what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. This doesn't mean that we must love ourselves before we can love anyone else. It means that in the same way we take care of ourselves and are concerned about our own interests, we should take care of and have concern for the interest of others. I'm going to give you guys an example. Uh, a little over three years ago, uh, my family, we moved, we moved to a circle drive, and there's 19 houses on the circle, including ours. And, um, and the, the family um, that lives just to the left of us is a Hispanic family that we've got to know and befriended and, and have, um, you know, gradually uh, are, are getting closer to. And um, I noticed maybe around two months ago, that uh, the husband and wife and his family, they were in the front yard and they were having a pretty heated exchange. And, um, uh, you know, it was a pretty confrontational type uh, exchange. And 
And so I was getting my car to leave, um, which I continued to do. I didn't want to go over there and, uh, and get in the midst of all of that. Um, but I did take mental note of it, um, that it happened, because it was kind of out of the norm. You guys know what I'm saying? Um, and so then days go by, and maybe a week or a week and a half, and um, I noticed that the husband had not been home, but I had thought, you know, he works out of town some, so maybe not that big of a deal. And so then a few more days go by, and I noticed that their little girl um, was not playing out in the front yard like she normally does. So at that point, it's like, you know, something, something's up here, something's going on. And then a few more days go by, and I noticed that um, their grass had not been cut, and it's obviously with all the rain, it's getting taller and taller. And I know my neighbor, and I know that in the spring and summer, he usually cuts his grass every seven to ten days. And so it's like, man, something is really up here. So I talked to Andrea about it, and, and um, we discuss it, and a few more days go by, and, and really nothing changes. And so I go over there, um, and I knock on the door, and the mom, the wife, comes, comes to the door, and I said, hey, how you doing? And I said, hey, I... Um, um, I noticed that your husband has, has probably been out of town and uh, grass is getting tall. I'd be more than happy to help with, with your lawn and, and to take care of that while he's out of town. And, and any other thing you might need, I just want to let you know that, uh, that we're here for you, uh, whatever it is. As soon as I said the word husband, tears just started pouring down her face. And immediately her, her head just goes into her palms and takes her a little while to to gain composure and then she just goes into discussing what's going on and um her her husband and her had uh, uh, separated and uh um, he left her and uh, took the little girl with him and so she's she's telling me this story and and here i am on the front porch of my neighbor's house on, on a Friday evening. And she's telling me the story and it goes on for about an hour. And, and at the end, she, she just looks at me and she says, do you, do you think that I'm handling this right? Do you think that I'm doing the right thing? And, and she was asking for advice. And, and you know, I just, I told her just a couple of things that I thought were wisdom for her and, and for the situation, for their family. And then I just said, I said, but maybe the greatest thing I can do for you is to pray for you and, and your family. And so we grabbed hands right there on her front porch and I prayed bless, uh, prayers of blessing and restoration and healing and life over her family and prayer ended and I gave her a big hug and just let her know that a couple of days I would be over to uh, mow their lawn and, and anything else. If she needed to come by, whatever else it was, um, that, that we are there for her and, and for her family. And guys, I tell you this story because honestly, being a good neighbor to someone, it really starts with taking time. But the problem is, is that taking time is such a valuable commodity for us. And, and, it, and in our society today, um, almost all the time, it's a very sacrificial thing. But the greater reality is, is that it's not something that... Um, that we were casually asked to do if we had time. It's something that we were commanded to do. And it says all of the rest of the laws and the prophets hang on those two commands. 
taking time for our neighbor is where it starts. And I know maybe that can sound elementary, but it's really not elementary. Being a good neighbor starts with taking time. You know, I'm, I consider myself a pretty simple guy and fairly practical. And, and uh, when I want to achieve something or have success, you know, I just try to put a practical, simple plan in place. And uh, I realize with this many people in a room that many of you are probably phenomenal neighbors and you've probably led, you know, your neighbors to the Lord and served them in many different ways. And um, I know that there's a group of you in here who are that way, but there also might be some of you who just, uh, who need to get started, who need a plan on, oh, man, what can I, um, how can I be a good neighbor? It's obviously very important. Uh, how can I go about doing that? And I would just encourage you um, uh, with, with this uh, uh, simple approach, really. One is pick a family who lives next to you. Uh, like I said, whether you live in a house or apartment, wherever, pick a family who next, lives next to you or pick a coworker or maybe someone you go to school with or pick a family or person here at the church and start with that one person or that one family. Or maybe if you're, if you, you're feeling like you, you know, you're really juiced and, and can go for more, go and get all, all of those uh, different areas of, uh, of neighbors and, and go for them all. But then devise a plan and execute a plan that you can fulfill that you can do, not something that you've heard someone else say or do, or, you know, that you're only, uh, the only thing you can do as a neighbor is, is lead them to the Lord, or anything like that. Devise and execute a plan that you can fulfill to be a good neighbor. How can you love them? How can you serve them? How can you help them? Guys, it really all starts, it really all starts with just taking time. Take time to be a good neighbor. The second point I want to give you is this. Listen to your neighbor. Listen to your neighbor. Pay attention to what they are saying, but also look a little deeper. How many of you guys know when you're in discussions with your neighbors and the people around you, they can be saying one thing, but really there could be something entirely different going on under the surface. You guys know what I'm talking about? So listening, it's not just hearing them, but it's listening to your neighbor genuinely listening to them and listening to the Lord at the same time and asking the Lord, what is really going on here? What's really happening in their life? How can I be the best neighbor for them in, in what's going on in their life? Look, look back with me at Acts 3 here in verse 2 and 3. I want to expound on this a little bit. I want to read verse 2 and 3 again out of Acts 3. It says, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for what? What did he ask for? He asked for money. He asked for money. And guys, I don't doubt that this, that this man needed money to feed his belly or to, to feed his family. I don't doubt those things at all. But really, there's a greater thing going on here than just money. The greatest thing going on here, the deeper thing going on here, is that this man is lame and he is crippled. That's the greater truth that is happening. And Peter and John realized that. Yes, with his voice, he said, I would like your money. 
But the reality is there was something greater happening. There was a deeper truth going on, and that's what being a good neighbor is. You hear what they're saying, you're listening intently, but you're also asking, well, there can be deeper things going on here. What, are, what is going on here? And that's where Peter and John met him. Not in that what he asked for, but in what he truly needed. The greater miracle. Backing up from the healing aspect of the story and uh, the miraculous aspect of the story, I feel that listening to your neighbor, it really accomplishes two major things. The first thing that it accomplishes is listening is, it's very, it's a very therapeutic thing and freeing um, when it, when you are genuinely listened to. You guys know what I'm saying? That person who, who, um, listens to you very genuinely and you can see that there's sincere interest and that they are not thinking about what's next or the answer, but they're truly listening to what you have to say. Man, there's something very therapeutic. Uh, there's something that uh, is, is, uh, brings about healing um, from someone who is just a, a good listener. You can truly care for people in just the way you listen to them. And the second thing, listening to them allows you to better understand how to pray for them, how to interact with them, and how you can help and serve them. I told you guys a a story about the neighbor on um, the left-hand side of me, and I'm going to tell you a story about the neighbor to the right of us. Um, um, We we have new neighbors there now, but for our first two years uh, of living in our house, we had an... um, uh, an older couple, I believe they were in their 60s, who, um, who was our neighbors, and we befriended them and, uh, and, and got to know them. And, you know, once again, we, you know, Andre would bake stuff and, and bring stuff over to them, you know, cookies and banana bread and all that good stuff. And I told him that anything he needed, I was, I was here to help him with, you know, any of the grunt work he needed around the house or, or out in the yard, uh, any of those type of things. And I realized from um, getting to know this man that, um, that him and, and his wife were not believers and in listening to them and, and really in genuinely listening to them, um, I realized that I was not supposed to press my faith. I was not supposed to press Christianity on them, even though they knew uh, what I do for work and as a vocation. I felt that was very sufficient um, um, for the time when we were neighbors. Well, it came about um, that they were going to have to move to the DFW area. And so um, Andre and I decided that we would have them over for dinner. And um, so when I knew that we were going to have them over for dinner, I just began to pray and ask the Lord on um, how I can really communicate the gospel to this couple. And the Lord just spoke to me. I felt that I was supposed to give them two books that I had, and they were very short reads um, from an author uh, named Ravi Zacharias, who's a leading apologist and uh, uh, speaker um, um, all throughout the world. And I thought they would be very fitting books um, for where um, this couple was in their life. And I just felt it was obedient. It was the obedient seed for the time 
for this neighbor. You guys know what I'm talking about? It was just the right thing to do. So we had them over and shared a great meal together and, and gave them their gift. And they were very uh, thankful, you know. And, um, and then they moved uh, just a few weeks later to the DFW area. But for that neighbor, that situation, that relationship I was in, in listening to them and the things that they told us and where they were at, I felt like what we did for them and who we are for them was the right thing to do. And so um, all of that really came about just by not really having an agenda, but just really listening to where they were, but also at the same time, listening to what the Lord is saying about their life and how we can uh, greatly affect um, their life for the kingdom. Man, listening is such a strategic part, such a vital part of being a great neighbor to someone. And it doesn't matter who the neighbor is, um, uh, whether it, you know it's a student you go to school with or a coworker, man, listening is a very, very powerful agent that can bring people uh, further along in the Lord or even um, to the Lord. Romans 15, two says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. There's taking time for our neighbor, listening to our neighbor. And the third and final point is this. Give your neighbor your best. Give your neighbor your best. No matter what uh, scenario the neighbor is in in your life, give them your very best. Don't try to give people what you don't have or what you can't do. Give to people what you do have and what you can do. Give people your very best. This is what Peter and John did in the story. And in verse six here in, in Acts three, I, I wanna read it again and expound it a little bit. It says, then Peter said, uh, and these are you know infamous words, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This man was crippled his whole life, guys. He was placed just outside the temple his whole life to beg. Month after month, year after year, until one day a neighbor came along and gave him their very best. Now, I'm not saying that others did not before that. That's not the point of, of of, of this message or what's going on here. Obviously, this man had sit out for years uh, at the temple gate and hundreds, thousands of people had passed by. I'm sure he'd been in conversations with a lot of people. I'm sure people had probably given him money. I'm sure maybe people even uh, probably prayed for them. But the reality is, is that what Peter and John had that day, they gave and it was their very, very best. And their very best, what it did from this man is it took what was old and it made it completely new. Their very best was hearing the spirit of God say, reach out your hand and heal this man. That was their very best. And this man responded to the healing. The Lord healed this man and it says he got up and he leaped up, he grabbed their hands and he leaped up and he praised the Lord. And he went into the temple of the Lord. The man who was always sitting outside of the temple, lame, was now made new. 
new feet, new ankles, new legs. He leaps up, praising the Lord. And then he goes into the temple. And what does it say? Everyone was in wonder and in awe and amazed at what had taken place. You know, guys, the the truth is that if you're a believer in this room and someone who lives your life in accordance with the Bible and follows it, um, you know, what we, we, we all want to be great neighbors. We all want to be great neighbors. And the reality of being a great neighbor is meeting the, the people who you live next to or coworkers or students you go to school with or those of us who are here in this community. It's meeting them. It's taking time for them. It's listening to them. And then it's giving them your very best. And all that really is, is saying, you know what? I love these people. I care for them. I'm gonna join hands with them. And we're going to go on this journey together. I'm gonna go on this journey together with my neighbors. I'm not gonna go on this journey alone. I'm not gonna go to college and just do it alone. I'm not just gonna live by people and do it alone. I'm not just gonna come to church and do it alone. I'm gonna be an awesome neighbor. I'm gonna grab hands with people and I'm gonna walk the journey with people that we can go on to the greater and greater things of the Lord. And that's what being a great neighbor is all about. That's what being a great neighbor is all about. And that's what God wants for our life. That's what he wants for us. John Calvin said this, he said, all the blessings we enjoy are divine deposits. All the blessings we enjoy are divine deposits committed to our trust on this condition, on this condition that they should be dispensed for the benefit of our neighbors. Ephesians 4.25 says, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we, are all, for we are members of one together. Speak truth to your neighbor if we are member of one together. If you guys would stand with me this evening. You know, we talk about being a good neighbor and being a good neighbor is the primary foundational most important way that the gospel advances on this earth. Did you guys know that? It's the most practical way that the gospel can advance on this earth. Who we live our lives with naturally, the community that we're in, man, if we would just take time, listen and give them our best. It's very, very simple. (laughs) But when God pours his miracles on top of that obedience, and pours his miraculous on top of that. And that is when we see souls saved. That is when we see neighbors come to know the Lord. That is when we see people break, have breakthrough in the bondage of their life. That's when beautiful, beautiful things take place. When we're being all we can to be a great neighbor and then God just pours that extra on top. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's what it's all about. It's a very, very simple command from the Lord, but it's very, very difficult, it seems, to follow. And culture is, is, uh, it does everything it can for us not to be that way. But 
with the help of the Holy Spirit, just like Peter and John, man, we, we can fulfill this. We can do this. So you guys bow your heads and let's pray. Lord, we love you this evening, God. And Lord, we want to take your, your scripture seriously. Lord, we want to take your, your word seriously, Father. Lord, we, we obviously take seriously that to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and street, Lord. Lord, we know that is a pivotal thing, Lord, that cannot be overlooked. But Lord, you said there's something like it. And that's loving our neighbor like we love ourselves, God. You guys would just reach out your hands in a position just to receive. I just want to pray. Lord, I just pray over all of us this evening, God. Would you help us be better neighbors, God? Lord, I think that starts, Lord, with just you piercing our hearts, Lord, with love for our neighbors, God. That we would, Lord, be, Lord, hit deep in our hearts that, just in the way we take care of ourselves and our family, we are to take care of our neighbors as well, Lord. Will you deepen those deposits of being a great neighbor, of loving those people who are naturally around us and in our community, Lord. Lord, make us great neighbors in this place, God. Lord, give us the ability to reach out our hand, Lord, and see miracles happen, God. Lord, maybe not that uh, the crippled would, would, uh, would walk, God, but Lord, the miracles comes in, come in all size, uh, kinds of shapes, uh, shapes and sizes, Lord. And, and Lord, and, uh, may we be those people who reach out our hand to our neighbors and miracles happen. Lord, may we be those people who extend our hearts of love towards our neighbors, God. Lord, may we be those people who serve our neighbor, neighbors in practical, tangible ways, God. Lord, help us in this area, God. The reality is, Father, we need your help, Lord. Help us to be better neighbors, God. And Lord, help us to take time. Help us to be better listeners. Help us to give our very best to those who are around us, God. Pour your extra goodness on top of it all. May it be a beautiful, beautiful expression of your kingdom here on earth, God. Lord, and I just say lastly, Lord, anyone who's, uh, uh, Lord, been... Uh, defeated in this area, who doesn't feel like they have anything to offer, God, uh, who doesn't uh, uh, feel like uh, maybe this is for them or in any way that they're discouraged in this area, God. Lord, I just pray that that defeat and discouragement would lift, God. They would put a very simple, practical plan in place and execute that plan on just loving their neighbor, serving their neighbor, helping their neighbor, God. Lord, may we be even known as a church who is a church who is all about loving you and loving our neighbor, God. Deepen this inside of us this evening, Lord, we pray. Lord, as we leave this place, God, I just speak your abundant life over everyone here, God. I pray strengthened marriages, God. Lord, marriages that are selfless in giving and serving. Pray united families, God, together as one. Lord, I pray blessings of provision, God, and protection, Lord. And Lord, most of all, I pray that the riches of your gospel would sit deep in everyone's heart this week, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name.